Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge Podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, I am joined by Eugene Ash, writer and director of the period romance drama, Sylvie's Love, starring Tessa Thompson and Namdi Asamuga. Take a listen. Welcome, Eugene Ash, to the Spectrum Lounge. Thanks for having me. Great. I'm I'm so excited about this movie, I got to tell you. Um, Sylvie's Love, um, can you just tell our listeners a just brief synopsis of what, of what the movie is about? Well, um, Robin and Sylvie meet um, over the summer of 1957 when Robert takes a job at Sylvie's father's record store. And they kind of have a, a, a whirlwind romance over the summer. And then they separate and don't see each other again for five years. <laughs> <laughs> That's but a lot happens in that five years. <laughs> That's great. Trying not to put too many spoilers. No spoilers. There will be no spoilers on here. Um, You know, one of the things that, two of the things that I really loved about Sylvie's Love is number one, you know, we've just having a black period uh, movie um, where it's just about love. And I remember um, I had, I saw Rada Blank. She had received the Vanguard Vanguard award last week. And in her acceptance speech, she had said something that really stuck with me. And I want to talk to you about it Um, with her movie, 40 year old version. She said that her intention with filmmaking is just to sort of hone in on the mundanity of Black people and Black characters on film. And um, her belief is that the more mundane um, that you lean into um, with Black characters on film, the more that you can highlight their humanity. And, you know, like 40-year-old version, like melancholy, um, medicine for melancholy. Um, is that something that you were thinking about when you were crafting the the screenplay for Sylvie's Love? Yeah, I mean, well, the goal, first of all, Rod is a friend, and that's... Uh, at- that I, I know that we, her and I have had similar conversations. We were at Sundance together. Oh, fantastic. And, uh, really yeah. Kind of uh-huh. family. Um, but uh, it, it was more about the fact that just, you know, I find that only showing us in the past framed through our adversity um, is a way of sort of er- erasing us, you know? Mm-hmm not showing how resilient we are in the face of that adversity and not showing the fact that we still thrive, you know, Nat King Cole had his own television show and Sammy Davis Jr. was part of the Rat Pack and Sidney Poitier was winning Oscars, you know? So it's only showing us being downtrodden and in struggle mode, I think is, you know, it's necessary to show uh, what we've accomplished and how far we've gone. But I also, you know, looking at old family album pictures, those told a different story of black life in the sixties than I was seeing portrayed in the movies. And so it was really where I agree with Rada is that I feel like, you know, we need to see black folks through the lens of our humanity, um, not through struggle mode, you know, and, and it's a way for people to really empathize with us because when you tell a story that has a universal theme, like 
you know, how unfinished business with the love of your life can set you on a path of arrested development, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, in your future relationships or your job or whatever. Uh, when you tell a universal theme, then it, it becomes less about being black and more about, you know, this is specific. The milieu is 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 specific to black people, but but the theme is universal. And I feel like that's where people begin to empathize with each other. When I watch Call Me By Your Name, you know, I don't need to be a, a white gay man to a queer man to fall in love with the characters or, or understand what it's like to have that kind of first love. You know, it's a beautiful film. That's all I see. You know, so it's it's just important that we start to tell stories this way. We're not just telling them like this is important. We got to tell a story. You know, it's fine to do that. I remember there was an episode of uh, Blackish where uh, he they wanted to go see like a, a sounding like a Marvel type of movie, and uh, and the father wanted them to see Back of the Bus. The, the, you know, it was like, <laughs> yeah, I remember that episode. The Rosa Parks, you know, she was like, I just want to go to the movies. I don't want to have a history lesson. So you know, it's not to belittle. <laughs> it's not to belittle. You know, uh, uh, the people that came before us who struggled or the struggle we're going through now, but. You know, you can get you can get fatigued when you only when when that's the only mode that that you see us operate in. And so it's important to know that we still have to, you know, do all of the things that we do when we're not in struggle mode. You know, I like to say even Malcolm X and Martin Luther King still had a bunch of babies and fell in love. And who was more in the struggle than the two of them, you know? That's an excellent point. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Um, yeah, I actually remember that episode from from Blackish, and I and I loved it because it's true. I mean, particularly with um, the year that you know that your film is coming out this year, it's been really stressful. You know, we've got the protests and then the election and everything. And I I think from sometimes for non Black moviegoers, they don't understand that sometimes we need that soft space we kind of need that space to just like as black people we love movies too and sometimes we want to be entertained we want to be taken on adventures and it doesn't necessarily have to be and again not denigrating these movies but like slavery movies or civil rights movies or whatever but like I feel like Sylvie's love is also important um because it's it's showing us just in our everyday lives as you said um I know you you were born and raised in, in Harlem correct I was until I was about ten years old, and then we then we moved down to uh, live in on the Upper West Side in the '90s, which we had its own other you know kind of thing going on. But uh, yeah, I grew up uptown. I grew up in Harlem, across the street from Kumo D. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh! <laughs> yeah, I did. And but you know, my mom grew up in that neighborhood too. And a funny thing kind of happened, which was uh, in the, in in the film kind of references it a little bit. You know, once uh, with with civil rights happening and, and the suburbs starting to open up to black folks being able to move into them, a lot of the money and, and, and people who were who were doing better in Harlem started to move out, you know, because before that, uh, we everybody lived, everybody lived in Harlem or everybody lived in the black neighborhood. There were just different sections of the black neighborhood, like there was Sugar Hill in, in New York, you know, in Harlem, which was like a more Tony or, or a better, you know, kind of section of Harlem, more fancy ver- section. But when with the exodus of, of, of all that black money and, and 
you know, in black intellectual property. I think that, you know, it, it just kind of, it started a little bit of a decline in Harlem that happened in the seventies and then it had to be built back up, you know, and hip hop was something that kind of uh, came out of that. And, and it was a natural progression the way that jazz started, you know, back in the day. So I find it really fascinating how the music that we create based on our situation and our surroundings, you know, and what we, what we come up with, you know, it was one, somebody once made a point that hip hop was so important because it's the first time a lot of people have heard black men speak and not just sing. Oh my. So I always thought that was, wow. Yeah. I thought that was a really heavy concept, but uh, as you can see in Sylvie's love, we also deal with this idea of when music changes for the black community, when, one style goes out of vogue and another one comes in. In my case, I was a recording artist for Epic Records and I was merely focused on, you know, I was an R&B artist. So, you know, we had, you know, we had people like Shy and Boys to Men and, you know, all these uh, groups like that. And mm -hmm. then they kind of all went away when hip hop started getting more and more prominent, you know? So even though I was around for the birth of hip hop, it really, I also witnessed it sort of, be the 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 end of all of those like four guy groups that remember in the 90s yes <laughs> yeah wasn't it um <laughs> i think uh with um uh, versus who was it it was uh they had the two boy groups who was it I, i'm forgetting who they have against each other or whatever but i think it was jodeci they're trying to get jodeci versus boys to men or whatever but it was like yeah. yeah like that was huge that was huge i was in silk all of them I, it's all of them and now it's like yeah they're just gone That's what yeah I'm and mm -hmm. so everybody, you know, that was that was when I was a, a an, I was an artist, a Sony artist, and I, and that was, you know, that was the kind of music that we did. So it was uh, it was interesting to watch, and it was kind of parallel with 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 when uh, music streaming started happening, you know. So a lot of change started happening. So I'm always interested in that little moment of change and all of the repercussions that happens. I think it's an interesting part. The next film I'm working on is for Amazon is also about kind of the change from when it's reconstruction. So us coming out of slavery and into and into freedom, you know, and what happens and how we navigate that. So that is amazing. I, You know, what's funny is like because when we talk about black film, I'm like we, we, we haven't had like I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, we haven't had like a definitive film about reconstruction or the Harlem Renaissance. Like there's so many things that have gone on in black American history that like we've just scratched the surface. You know what I mean? As, as far as that kind well, of it's so crazy because I'm also writing a TV yeah. show about the Harlem Renaissance. <laughs> Stop it. You're playing with my emotions right now. Oh my god. Oh my god. I lived in I lived no, in Harlem not. briefly for two years. I lived in Harlem. I was like off of 123rd where the New York Sports Club is, right there. I lived yeah. the block over. And it was just like I love taking walks in Harlem because it was just like like you could just feel the history. I mean, I'm not a superstitious person, but I, I felt like you could feel like the ghosts of like Langston Hughes and, you know, Zora Neale Hurston, like just all that genius that was in there. And um, I'm excited. I can't wait. <laughs> to see yeah. That. That's, yeah. That's yeah. I'm really excited about it too. Yeah. So that's kind of um, the two things I'm working on. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm fascinated by the fact that much like Rada, cause Rada, you know, started in theater and then she went into hip hop and then she, you know, and then she made her first feature film. What made you transition from being a musician into being a, a filmmaker and a screenwriter? Well, it was, it was kind of a, a, a logical segue because I had done 
with my group, we had done a couple of uh, soundtracks. I was on the Free Willy soundtrack, had a platinum record from that. And I was on the Bronx Tale soundtrack, another one, Blank Man. And then I started working with um, with my band. We we started working with Tom Fontana, who who did uh, the TV show Oz. So we did some music for Oz. We were also on it a couple of times. We did another show with him called Firehouse with Marsh Chestnut and and Richard Dean Anderson, who used to play MacGyver and mm-hmm. uh, Eat Falco. And then we did another show with him called Della Ventura with Danny Aiello, the late, great Danny Aiello from Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. And uh, so I just, I started getting really interested. We were doing a lot of music for TV shows and movies, and I just got interested in that process. I, I was watching the unfinished stuff that we were setting, you know, music to. And I was just like, wow, this is really interesting. I like the length of this to tell a story because often I was writing songs and I was really just telling stories in the songs. It wasn't just like, you know, let me look you up and down. It was, you know, <laughs> it was born in the ghetto, you know, right. <laughs> it, I, was doing a lot of, I was doing a lot of music that had subject matter that was normally subject matter of, of hip hop, but we were singing about it. So I was really interested, you know, and I was interested in movies just because I, I had a lot of stories to tell and, you know, and so that's how I got into it. Right, right. So with, because uh, this is your second feature film and it's it's a period piece, um, what were some of the challenges or some of the things that were a little bit different from doing your, your debut film? What were some of the differences going into Sylvie's Love? Uh, well, this one costs a lot more money to make. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you know, you know, getting the money, it's a different proposition when you're talking about millions versus, you know, hundreds of thousands it's it's it's, you know it's it really is a very different uh scenario that and and it's also you know you lose a lot of freedom because you have to ask people for something and you have to explain things and then they have their opinions and come in i was very very fortunate to meet namdi because of his background in production and his access to uh a, a world that I didn't really have access to. He just kind of opened up his world and was like, we're going to get this done. And and he had that same kind of stick to that I had from the very beginning. And uh, and so, yeah, we made it completely independently. Uh, I mean, it started with, you know, his company backing in and then we were able to pull in other investors um, and make it happen. But it's a black owned production that, you know, and he understood exactly, he understood that we needed to shoot on film. That was often like one of the deal breakers with people when I'd be like, well, I got to shoot it on film. And they'd be like, uh, it costs too much, which is not really even true. But, mm. people, you know, people, they, they get afraid, you know, like they just get afraid of, of anything different. So, you know, that was the thing. And, and we didn't have, there weren't any other movies like this. So when we were trying to tell people what we were trying to do, it was like, yeah, it's sort of like breakfast at Tiffany's, but with black people, they were like, <laughs> they were like, that, sounds, like what? that sounds crazy. And like, you're going to be broke. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're about to have the last laugh. So <laughs> I think but, that's uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that they just, you know, I, I think they just didn't think, I don't know, maybe they thought a brother couldn't pull it off or something. They were mm. like, we 
it's kind of like, I don't know about this, you know, like it's, you know, because it was a very sophisticated script and it had yeah. a lot of sophisticated ideas and nuanced ideas. And and I think that, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but a lot of people just see, you know, don't see us as being very nuanced because of the portrayals of us in the media. You know, they think it's all like, you know, everything that they see. So anything different than what they've already seen is like, oh, I don't know, but you know, but once they see it, then it's like, it's like, it was like that in the music business too. It's like, you, you, you know, we were trying to do something a little weird with our music and then it, you know, it didn't really jump off, but a lot of people liked it, you know, but then D'Angelo came around and then, Erica Badu came around and and that changed the whole thing. That's kind of like what we were trying. That's what we were trying to do. I remember, you know, people like, oh, it's like some hippie music or something. It's like, nah, it's not like that. It's a throwback to the Isley Brothers, to Earth, Wind, and Fire. It's like, you know, but if you weren't like, you know, singing Bump and Grind during that time, you would you were not gonna make it. So it's the same kind of it's the same kind of thing. And I, l- let me tell you, you know, those, you know, those songs were, they were popping, but it wasn't what we wanted to do, you know, and, and the same thing with this, you know, I could have made a lot of different types of movies, um, but I wanted to do something that was what I wanted to see, not in the, in the marketplace, you know, you got, somebody got to be first. So. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. hopefully there'll be a, is room for. I remember, you know, the feeling of of even seeing Love Jones, you know, and and just being like, finally, there's like a movie, kind of like about people like me, and yes, then, and then I thought <laughs> it was gonna. A lot of like romantic comedies came after Love Jones, but not a lot of dramas, you know, like it's yes. and there were funny parts in in Love Jones, but you know what I'm saying, and it's yeah, the it same wasn't a rom com. No, it wasn't a rom-com. So that's the thing, too, is that, you know, most of the movies that have made money that with, with Black folks have been comedies or, rom, you know what I'm saying? So it was just kind of, I didn't have a, a comp to show an investor, like, you know, this is like Black Panther made a billion dollars. You know, Black Panther made a billion dollars. This is like Black Panther. This is why you should, you know, invest in it. Right. I didn't have I was like showing that. I was like, oh, it's like the notebook. It's like, yeah, that had white people on. <laughs> ah, I love it. I love it. I love the notebook. Um, you, you know the I thing? And, but the thing yeah. And, and the thing I love about Sylvie's Love, too, is that while it is very much a period piece, and I was so pleasantly surprised to see this, was um, just Tessa's character with Sylvie is that even though, the, I mean, this movie does place place in the 50s, she's very much a modern woman. Um, you know, as far as like her ambitions and, you know, the relationships that she has, like it wasn't, it didn't feel like some old dusty dated, like, oh, you just stay in the kitchen, you know, I make my dinner. Like she's very much, and just kind of seeing that representation of a black woman then, right. Because, you yeah. know, what's interesting is I remember when, um, Mad Men came on and I used to have like these very weird conversations with white critics where I would be like, well, I wish there were more black people in Mad Men that are not you know, domestics. Mm. And then I would always get this pushback from white male critics specifically that would be like, oh, well, that wouldn't be realistic. You couldn't have an advertising executive in the 60s. And it was funny because I have a friend, a best friend of mine, uh, Cybel Martin, she's a, a, a cinematographer. And she was like, my parents were ad executives in the 60s in New York. What are they talking about? So it's like, so it's kind There's of like what you're saying of- that if they'd. Yeah. Mm. 
there was a whole group of brothers that they put together to do um, the advertising for Pepsi in the 60s. The Pepsi Challenge! I read that. I read they that. To, yeah, they wanted to, to reach a, a Black audience. You know, mm-hmm. so that's, yeah, that's just a lot. That, you know, everybody, they just be telling stories about us. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, and they don't know. They don't know the history. Yeah. And, and by the way, I have been, I've well, been tweeting the, about this for years. I was like, I wish somebody would take the Pepsi challenge and just adapt it. Like that would be like a great, like mini series or like movie. I think that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? See, the thing is that it's not just, uh, Black folks who are victims of this, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. everybody. It's everybody. It's a, it's a construct of of you know. It's 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 a national thing. You know, it's it's young white folks aren't talked aren't taught about this in school either. They know about Martin Luther King, you know, mm-hmm. but if they were taught about these other things and if it, they were showed more images, uh, then you know, so it's they're not being shown. It's being kept from them too, <laughs> you know, right. Yes, and they need so to So that's why they're like, oh, that doesn't exist because they haven't seen it. It's like, you know, the only thing people believe in that they haven't seen is God So and Jesus. So, you know. <laughs> I love that. Try to convince, <laughs> a, 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 you know, a Black person sailed to America in, in before Columbus. <laughs> you right. Know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That didn't happen. Cleopatra oh. wasn't. Uh, I know. It's funny. But anyway. You know, the, the, at its core, the story is what Rada was saying, and and I, just to double back on it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's just important that people see our humanity, that people see themselves in us, you know, and that's what the humanity does. Is that you know that's why you know, you, you believe me, you won't have a hard time finding uh, finding people who aren't black who like Jimi Hendrix, you know, because Jimi Hendrix is amazing. And when you recognize people, that's the one thing that the arts can do. They can they can uh, teach you something and they can show you a new way of empathizing with people. And it, it happened. And like I said, it happened with happens with a film like uh, Carol or or a single man or call me by your name with with the queer community. You know, you, you it helped people empathize and you realize these are people who fall in love like anybody else, you know, and that's what. They need. That's what people need to see with black folks. You know, these are people who fall in love like anybody else. It's not rocket science. But if you don't see depictions of it and positive depictions of it, then how? Then you're going to keep these prejudices and this bigotry. You know, and so we're we're living in a really dynamic and great time where all of the different people who have been marginalized are starting to be able to tell their stories. Is you know is. TV shows like Pose and there's, you know, everybody has more like trans awareness and queer awareness and black awareness and awareness about women's rights. And, you know, we need everybody needs to tell their story. It's more interesting that way. You know, I want to know everybody's story. You know, it's it's really interesting to me to 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 hear other people's stories and also see yourself in them. You know what I'm saying? To see like, wow, that really like. I know somebody like that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I think, I think it's a fantastic time we live where we're not, where we don't have to be focused on one type of people. And and like like you said, I love the Notebook too, you know. So right. I don't want there to stop being 
that being, uh, you know, stories with Rachel McAdams in it either. I want everybody to be able to tell this story. You just, you know, we need to kind of make it a little more balanced. Right, right, more inclusive. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Eugene. I'm I'm really excited. I, I can't wait for people to see. I think it, the release is December. Is that Christmas or is it's December 25th? Or? It's December 23rd. We, we, Christmas came early this year. Nice. <laughs> All right. So Sylvie's Love, Amazon streaming, December 23rd. Oh, I'm excited. That's great. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for listening. All right. Thank you for having me and happy holidays. Happy holidays. (laughs) 